Welcome back to SwitchCast Live. This is a highly anticipated show. What? You said we were live. Oh, well, what the heck? We're live now. Okay, great. Right, let's do that again. Ed McMahon will not be here tonight. You are correct, sir. <laughs> this is a highly anticipated event with Mr. Arnie Toman of Cannonball fame. And a sidekick, Doug Tabbitt. Welcome back to SwitchCast. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Doug Tabbitt, founder of Switch Cars and Cannonball Run record holder two times with my man, Arnie Toman, in his cars. Yes. Who's the smart one? (laughs) Me. Uh, If you'd like to join us tonight and interact, you can call in live, 216-294-4124. The number again is 216-294-4124. Ethan is standing by ready to screen your calls to make sure you're not crazy. Or are crazy and crazy enough. Have a good question. Right. Just the right amount of crazy. Yes. Uh, you can also post your questions in the comment flow wherever you're watching live. And Mark Spence's beard will relay them to us. So, Arnie, what brings you to town? Uh, to be on your podcast and to pick up a sweet Corvette. What year Corvette? 1984. 1984, yes. the coveted Crossfire Injection Corvette C4. Why in the world would you want the worst Corvette ever I can't, made? I, I can't reveal that right now. You can't, you're not allowed to talk about no, it. No, I'm not. Is it because you want to talk about how rare it is at the hershey corvette meet oh yes it's very rare it's it's, oh, okay. it's one of just 150,000. okay are you going to put pace car graphics on the side uh, well of course good all right let's make it more rare okay good good uh well thanks for coming thanks for I, having me. I thought about having dancing queen as our bumper music <laughs> <laughs> oh dancing why queen. would i have thought of that <laughs> Uh, we we listened to that song a few too many times on the last run, not by not by choice. Yeah, so I don't think this has ever gotten talked about, but it's it's pretty hilarious. So Arnie's phone, uh, Arnie is slightly more technologically advanced than I am. In not the, by much, not by much. I think I have an iPhone eight, and well, I've got the new iPhone. Right, you've got the new iPhone, but yeah, you were on TikTok before I was. But anyway, we got this Audi S six for the second cannonball after the E63 was wrecked. And somehow, I guess the only song you had on Apple Music or whatever automatically plays when you connect via Bluetooth was Dancing Queen. And we couldn't figure out how or why it kept playing. Yeah, but every time time the ALPs would go off, it would just like reset. (laughs) It was like the phone had just gotten plugged in, and that was, I guess... Uh, I guess because that was like the 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 first uh, group uh, alphabetically that was in there, yeah. That just it just kept playing. So, so yeah, so the, so we started calling the car Dancing Queen. Yeah. So every time we didn't get a ticket due to laser, we'd, Dancing Queen. And every yes. once in a while, when I plug my phone in, that if that song does come on again. Yeah, <laughs> I think it reminder. came on when we were on the Ultimate Road Rally. Yes, it yes. did. <laughs> Anyway, so the Audi S6, little known fact, is nicknamed Dancing Queen, and that's why. Um, so 
a nice segue from last week. Last week we talked about how to become a better driver, and we didn't specifically tie it into Cannonball because the debate has been had many, many times about whether or not Cannonball is safe or, I guess, the relative danger of it compared to just driving on the highway because, let's be honest, no driving is safe. Uh, I think the people that say that our legs should be cut off because we're endangering school children and all that crap when we drive at high speeds on the highway are the same people that think that the highway is a like some sort of nebulous, neutral, safe zone. And it isn't. There's people driving drunk. There's people texting. There's people driving on opioids. There's people, worst of all, driving just not very well trained. And uh, so the, the highway itself is a very dangerous place. But there's an article that I was going to talk about last week, but I didn't. And I think it's a good segue. And it was written uh, before the whole COVID thing. It was shortly after our record our first record in 2019, and it was written by Benjamin Preston of Road and Track, uh, who's a great guy and a fellow cannonballer, and it was actually interviewing uh, James Snow, who's a, a deputy um, who specializes in accident investigation. And he rejected the narrative that speed kills. He said in his tens of thousands of accidents that he has investigated, that it is primarily driver error, a failure to yield. And that is not just his opinion. If you remember the statistics that we discussed last week, that is exactly what contributes to the majority of accidents. It's driver error and failure to yield. And on the rise is a number of uh, people being distracted by cell phones. Uh, James was quoted directly saying, with the advent of the cell phone, the number of fatal crashes has skyrocketed. And even with airbags and crumple zones and incredibly advanced safety systems in cars that, um, you know, derive their technology directly from racing and from Formula One cars, the we're experiencing an all-time high in fatal crashes. I think just a few years ago, we had surpassed 40,000 highway deaths um, and that was an all-time high. So here we are celebrating speed and scofflaw activities and things that insurance companies don't like and most police officers spend their careers trying to crack down on, yet a highly regarded veteran accident investigator, sheriff's deputy in California said, quote, unquote, this is one of my favorite quotes ever. Oh, yeah. The cannonball safety record speaks for itself. It's not a bunch of guys driving recklessly and weaving in and out of traffic and cutting people off. I would rather have a thousand Arnie's and Dugs on the road than most of the people you see driving around. Those guys' attention was trained on driving. That was a, that was a beautiful quote. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Could have given him a thousand bucks, and he couldn't have worded it any better. Yeah, well, it was yeah. well done. I asked my wife what she thought of that, and she said, "No, one is enough." <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Arnie, let's let's take a step back. How in the world did you get here? How did you get into cars? How did you get into cannonballing? Oh, geez. Well, if you ask my mom, like. I've been into cars since I was born, you know, matchbox cars, playing with them on the couch. Um, I mean, I've always just been into cars. I Nothing else really, um, I guess, uh, took my attention uh, other than cars. So 
you know, as a as a young kid, I uh, I saw the movie Cannonball Run, and uh, shortly after that, I realized it was actually a real thing. When uh, somehow I unearthed some Car and Driver magazines um, with the articles from the seventies, and that just always stuck with me. I I, I think. What I always liked about the cannonball was trying to outsmart the police and police countermeasures because then as as I got a driver's license stuff, I always had, had to have the best radar detector. I had a CB in my car. and you know Was, was it called a fuzz, fuzz buster back then? Uh, no, no. You're not I'm, that I'm, old? I'm, no, I'm not that old. <laughs> but I remember my first uh, radar detector was a Uniden RD9XL. And that was like the top, top of the line back then for range. And, you know, that was even before KA band, you know, that was X yep. and K. And, and I still have that actually. It's a, it's, it sits in the glove box of my, uh, 88 Mitsubishi Galant Sigma. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it still works. Good accessory to take to Radwood. Oh yeah. All right. Okay. So you were, you were born with the affliction. Yes. What kind of, turns did that take you through so you you started a tow company right was that your first no so that was that was my first job so when when the day i got my driver's license Mm -hmm. i went to the local gas station which back then gas stations had like garages attached to them and this particular one had a a towing company they had they towed cars they did semi trucks and stuff they had they had a pretty decent fleet so the first place i went when i got my driver's license is i went there and applied for a job um which i got and that's that started me down a road of hot rod stuff like small block chevys and that stuff my first car was a old cutlass uh 77 cutlass with t-tops my second car was a 71 monte carlo with a 350 and a four speed and uh i proceeded to waste way too much money on that thing uh you know doing the motor and you know i just i did the i did the typical you know 16 to 18 year old you know car guy thing and wasted all of my money on a car that i shouldn't have is it really wasting though i mean what else would you do with it college Uh, yes right no clearly i wasn't doing that so from there i got into towing um you know i've I've always been around the i guess automotive stuff and uh when my uh, childhood best friend martin musial of uh, ams performance he he came back from college and we wanted to get into cars. You know, he just got back from school, so he didn't have a good job. You know, I had a decent job. I didn't go to college. So, um, you know, I was already pretty established. He came to live with me, and, and he's like, man, we we should get into road racing. So when in high school, he had a Mer- – So you bought a Merc. <laughs> yeah. So he had a Mercur XR4 Ti <laughs> We in should high get school. into road racing, but let's do it really terribly. Yes, exactly. Pre-lemons. So, yeah. So, uh, so when he got back from college – he and I bought this Mercur XR4Ti, and uh, that's how we kind of started getting into turbo four cylinders. This is back in like the the late '90s, and uh, that's actually the car that uh, really started AMS performance. A lot of people don't know that, but they um, we were actually working on Mercurs before all the Mitsubishi Eclipse and Galants and everything that we uh, where we became known for. Yeah, we quit, we opened up a company working on a car that was uh, imported <laughs> imported from Germany by Ford that was already fourteen or fifteen years old. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Your parts were coveted in those circles. Yes, I know. We, we made this cam. So, so how we got into it is those very very small circles. No one made a good camshaft for the two point three liter turbo. Um, so that's Martin was an engineer or is an engineer, and uh, he designed a camshaft, and that's why we started 
AMS performance is to sell this camshaft. I think we made like 50 of them and man, yeah, they're sought after. <laughs> I, I remember, I mean, I left AMS six years ago. I remember we were still getting phone calls every once in a while. I'd be like, Hey, uh, do you still have one of those, uh, Mercur cams? Like, uh, no, we haven't had one of those in, you know, 13 years. Oh man. So how did you, how did you transfer from obsolete German imports to JDM cars? So at the time, Martin's Daily was a Gallant VR4. And so we start this company and things aren't really going that great. And we start modifying his Gallant VR4. We're like, holy cow, this thing is like leaps and bounds better than AmeriCorps. So we just jumped ship and went right into, you know, the 4G63. I mean, I feel tails. like you could have gone to a Ford Explorer and it would have been leaps and bounds better. But yeah. The AmeriCorps is, it's a, it's a unique car. I had a matchbox of one when I was a kid. I thought it was great. Yeah. I like them. Yeah. But I always thought the four was an A. So I literally, until I was like, 18 i called it a Merker x ratty you're not the, you're not the only one <laughs> but, yeah i don't know who came up with that name yeah it was a it was a pretty big flop but i don't know i i like the car it's a, it's a very it's a very 80s car yes. nice ones are worth driving are they more or less reliable than peugeot's <laughs> oh geez that's a tough one <laughs> they're, they're probably they're probably oh man i don't know they're probably pretty equally bad all right, so you you, you got a, you started AMS Performance with Martin, and you got into the JDM stuff or DSM or whatever you call it, the the, the Japanese import, and you guys started beating American cars. Yeah, so this so this is early two thousands, and back in the early two thousands, you still had all these like muscle car guys that thought that uh, you know they're uh, turbo four hundred and twenty eight inch slick. You know, V8 cars were like the fastest thing around. And, you know, we had these two liter four cylinder cars that really at the time, no one had really seen fast ones. This is like the infancy of it. So we would go out to the street races and <laughs> we would. I, I feel like we we had a, a reincarnation of this. I, I'm sure you've seen as everybody has the TikTok, whatever Instagram reel of that Viper in Dayton, Ohio racing oh. the, the Civic, <laughs> the modified Civic and viper putting it into a pole oh yeah i feel like that's a that's what was happening yeah no so so we would go to these street races and how we made a name for ourselves is we'd we'd go and say all right who's got the fastest car here and it was usually some guy with a slicked up camaro on a trans brake or whatever and he's like yeah what do you got and we're like well we got it we've got a uh a four-door mitsubishi galan (laughs) and and they're like you got a what and we're like yeah you know let's run how about uh we'll spot you too and they'd be like, are you crazy? Like, we'll, we'll spot you too. And we would just go out and annihilate everybody. You know, we weren't very smart street racers. Uh, I think it probably would have been smart to go out there and like ease up to it and like hustle some people. No, we just like went straight for the jugular. We had, the, <laughs> we had this uh, mechanic, Adam Dubienchik at the time. And it, so he is just, he's kind of a hothead. And I mean, he just didn't want to like mess around, play around. He just wanted to go out and beat people down really bad. So, you know, we just, the, we spent the first couple of years just street racing and we, we very quickly made a name. Like it, it, there were times where we would have customers of ours that we had built their car and they would call us from the street races. Like you got to come down here. They think, they think my white talon is your white talon and they, no one will run me. And so if you had like an AMS sticker on your car, like it was like, forget about it. And so we spent a, we spent a good few years. It's, you know, it it took a while to like get the word out there with these V8 guys, but they you know they learned pretty quickly that you know don't mess around with a AMS right. four cylinder. Right. 
And then GTRs came out. Yeah, so I mean, it went it went Eclipse. Then the Evo came out in '03. Uh, we spent you know three four years just doing those. And then when the Nissan GTR came out, um, it was kind of a natural progression. The the new you know hot car to have, and uh, we jumped on that in in 2008 when we we got our hands on the first one we could get our hands on. And uh, yeah, we just did uh, you buy it for me? No, I did not. I feel like everybody bought their the first one they could get their hands on for me. I kind of dominated the flipper market back then. But yeah, no. Anyway, maybe this relationship could have started way earlier. Well, thank goodness it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows where we'd be now? You want me to pay a hundred grand for a sixty thousand dollar GTR? <laughs> Who do you think you are? I'm Doug Tabbit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna break the cannonball record someday. No, you're not. I am. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where he's going. Okay. What? I don't think he knew where he was going. What? Uh, this is kind of like a dead horse thing at this point, but I, I, I still think it's interesting because when the GTR came out, Nissan said this ECU is like you can't crack it. There's yeah. no way any tuner can touch this thing. Nobody can tune these things. And I feel like that was actually. A, a veiled invitation for everybody to try to crack it and tune it because wasn't it actually really easy? Oh yeah, Cobb had figured it out very quickly. But yeah, no, I remember they were they were saying like, oh, you can't even like floor it on the street because it needs to know that it's at a track. I mean, just just like ridiculous rumors going on about it. But yeah, they they, they were touted as you can't modify them, and boy, boy, were they wrong. <laughs> it was very easy. What's the fastest GTR? that AMS has produced today are they do they have the fastest one or no they don't they don't have the record we were so we were the first in the nines eights sevens and sixes so i think the fastest car golly that AMS ever did was like high sixes okay all right man that that is a tuner war that is just it never ends on that yeah, car. no that that car like that car was like the talk of the town for probably, I mean for like five, six, maybe even seven years, where like the whole world was watching this. It wasn't just like people who were into Nissan GTRs; like everybody was watching this this battle go down. And that was cool. That was a it's the best years of AMS. I think yeah. that was that was awesome. So you sold your shares in AMS. Yes, took some time off. Yes, but not. Very much time off. No. And then you started Cannonball Garage and like eight other businesses. Yes. What, walk me through that. What led you to sell out and start a new thing and what landed you where you're here, where you are now? So, you know, as business partners go, um, me and Martin had a great run. You know, we, we were partners for 15, almost 16 years. And I'd say, 14 of those years were really good. We had no problems, but we started kind of button heads on the direction of the company, um, how to run things, how to t- get to the next level and stuff. And, you know, the writing was, uh, there's a few things. That, it was hard for me to leave. It wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm just going to get out of here. Um, but my aunt's health was failing. My dad's health was failing. I, I'm an only child. My aunt didn't have anyone to take care of her. So it was kind of like I needed to step up and take care of that. Um, and also it's just this is 2016 so the epa was really 
uh, like starting to knock people's doors down mm-hmm. and you know and, and and come in and confiscate laptops they were calling tuner shops going into tuner shops trying to get people to delete catalytic converters and all this stuff so the writing was kind of on the wall i, I realized that i had all my eggs in one basket and when you're in you're in that deep into the tuner world like i equate it to having like a really hot girlfriend it looks really awesome to you know to have this company and be like really cool and stuff but like behind the scenes like you're dying inside trying to keep this chick happy <laughs> you know it's it's always something it's like uh customers with unrealistic expectations you know they get their 1500 horsepower gtr and they break the transmission it's like okay yeah there's a reason that nissan gives it to you with 500 you know and people yeah. don't understand that so it's like you're constantly and and they avoid the warranty if you launch it too many times right. just with 500 horsepower so you yeah. know people have unrealistic expectations and it didn't happen a ton but it was it was enough to be like i remember some sleepless nights where we had some crazy stuff going on on the forums and it's a tough, tough business. Sure. It was awesome while it was awesome. But then, you know, you kind of realize, like, what am I doing? You know, it's just I got to do something else. I got to, like, in case the EPA comes crashing into this, like, I don't want to lose everything. Right. So that's that's when I decided to desert, diversify. Right. And you weren't even in California. No. Uh, so how long, how much time did you take off to just kind of regroup and figure out what was next? So for me, it was about a year and a half to two years that I really didn't do much of anything. I had, uh, me and my buddy Drew, we had a CNC machine shop. It was actually an offshoot of AMS. And when I sold my shares of AMS, around the same time, I bought Martin shares of the machine shop. So we still had the CNC machine shop going. So I was just like handling the books and stuff. So I wasn't like totally doing nothing, but you know, I was, I was, I wasn't working. Fiddling much. around. Yeah. I was fiddling Buying around. Buying a house, building some cars. Yeah, exactly. Building a big Just, garage. Right. Yeah. Doing okay. rallies and cannonballs. Yeah. And... yeah. So then I remember you sent Ed and I a picture of this gigantic building that you bought. <laughs> yeah. Which now <laughs> is said, not what that am gigantic. What do with it? Yeah. It's totally. Yeah. Full. Now, now, yeah. Now All right. I need so how two. many, how many, so you're, you're, you have the machine shop, you have Cannonball Garage, which is probably your main brand that we're all familiar with. Right. Um, how many other businesses do you have now? So uh, we've got a gym bag company. We hold three patents on a gym bag that hangs in a commercial gym locker. That's Seven Supply. Um, we've got a patent on a, a disposable glove removing tool that uh, it prevents cross-contamination. That's MedHook. Um I've got Prime Cuts Chop Shop where we buy wrecked exotic cars and part them out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a partner with the GTR World Cup, which is a, a GTR drag race that we do every year. Um, I've got uh, some other other stuff like brewing in the background and a, a, a social media like type coffee. app. Yes, coffee and a social media app. And, yeah. <laughs> he said brewing in the background. So that's I think that basically covers it. I probably forgot something. Sure. But. Well, you have the, the your bread and butter, at least your most profitable business, right? Is the machine shop that or, oh, or yeah. the, the company that builds because you build accessories for firearms, right? Yeah, primarily AK forty seven accessories. Okay. We do some AR fifteen lowers. I do some prototype work for the boring company, and then we make some parts for a company that does anti drone drones. What? So it's a company that makes a drone that takes out a drone 
that might be a threat. I guess I guess people are buying like commercially available drones, sticking like grenades on them and trying to fly them into military bases. <laughs> so this company I built parts <laughs> for makes an anti-drone drone. Huh. So I guess rather than shoot a missile or something at at a at the threat, they you know maybe something that's a little more throw a rock at it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> All right. Is it disguised as a bird? No. Oh. I feel like that would, that would be really fun if it had feathers on it and made sounds. <laughs> Look like a pe- uh, like a pelican or something. Yeah. Yeah. If you could just swallow it up. <laughs> yes. You might be onto something. I I don't know. I, I'd like to be in charge of packaging for the anti-drone drone. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else, just packaging. Is that part of Space Force? Is that Trump's thing? No, I, I think that that's that's in this atmosphere. So I, I don't oh, think that's okay. Space Force. Right, Trump's head was always in another atmosphere. Uh, you know, when he started Space Force, I literally, I legit thought that was a joke. Oh, same. <laughs> I did. I did not. There think was a of, Netflix movie like the next week. Yes, with Michael Scott. <laughs> yeah. I mean, done. Uh, Steve Carell. It was like literally the next week that happened. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I still think it's a joke. But yeah, I, I, I seriously thought that was satirical. Granted, I thought Trump running for president was a joke, too, but (laughs) he won. SwitchCast is brought to you by BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers in more than 200 countries. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, to make people part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy, flexible, live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy, we are broadcasting this show live with our phone. Head over to switchcars.com slash BoxCast for your free trial. Welcome back to SwitchCast. We are here with Arnie Toman. We're having a great discussion. If you'd like to join us, you can call in live, 216-294-4124. I don't know why I say call in live. We are live, and if you're calling in, obviously you're live. But you can also post your question in the comment flow of where you're watching. And Mark Spence's beard, I keep wanting to say smooth Mark, but you aren't smooth (laughs) Mark tonight, uh, will, will relay the question to us if he deems it appropriate you know i'm also a person too i'm not just a beard well but the voice comes out of your beard (laughs) i know you're a person but they don't they just hear your voice they only want me for my beard okay yes yes just like the women at the bar Um, i don't go for tens before we get back into the questions there's a follow-up so i i've started a number of uh i don't know if we want to call them rabbit trails or or whatever but we've been talking about Carvana, we've been talking about a mint green GT3 wide body that is maybe finally going through Mannheim next week, and we're curious to see what it goes for and what dealer it ends up next and whether or not they disclose the history or know about it or care about it or whatever. But, uh, but yes, Carvana, Carvana is all in the news today, and we have called them out a number of times, mostly for the fact that they can't make any money selling cars. That <laughs> was talking to a business consultant today and i said well if you're going to pitch our company you can say that we 
made more profit last year than Carvana did. So uh, he got a kick out of that. But anyway, Carvana laid off 2,500 employees on Tuesday. Uh, a lot of them they laid off over Zoom, which is a eh, big no-no. You're supposed to lay people off in person. Not that any layoff is a good time, but uh, the email, text, Zoom thing is just it's no bueno. Some other companies have gotten in hot water for doing that. Um, yeah, one Twitter user posted, you just fired us in a Zoom meeting and said, have a good day at the end. Um yeah, so 12% of Carvana's workforce was laid off, and this is right in the wake of them buying Edessa, which is the uh, world's second largest, or the U.S.'s second largest auction house for $2.2 billion, quote-unquote cash, but that cash was on loan from Chase Bank. Um, so Carvana is having some some major bumps in the road. Uh, their stock is down over 80%. Since the start of the year, they reported a net loss of $260 million in the first quarter of the year. Yeah. So, um, let's see. What did they say? Oh, this is so funny. Um, nope. I got this right here. I do have it in my notes. I swear. Essentially, they're blaming, uh, let's see, recent macroeconomic factors have pushed automotive retail into recession, a Carvana spokesperson said. And this is all via protocol.com. While Carvana is still growing, our growth is slower than what we originally prepared for in 2022. Yeah, no, your problem is not macroeconomic factors, and your problem is not that your growth is slowing. Your problem is that you can't make any friggin' money. You've been doing this 10 years, and you haven't posted a profit. That is your problem. It's time to friggin' call it. You can't make money. Buying a Dessa is not going to make you profitable. You just got to call it. I called it a month and a half ago. Carvana is going to be done. I still say that they're going to be done. The only good thing in all of this is that the Carvana executives are giving up their salaries for the rest of the year to help pay the laid-off employees' severance plans. But again, if they were making any money, they wouldn't have to do that. But when you lose $260 million in a quarter after 10 years of doing business and never turning a profit, the writing's on the wall. Okay, there's Carvana <laughs> just flopping and floundering. You can move switch cars into that nice tower over there. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. I like having my cars on ground floor. All right, we are back with Arnie Toman, and we've been talking about... His start with uh, in a towing company, his history in car shenanigans, uh, AMS Performance, starting his new business, Cannonball Garage, among other things. And I think we're going to get into cannonballing because that's like your thing, right? Uh, it has been. It has been. Right. Um, before... I go down that road and we get serious. We want to be funny for a minute. Not funny, but fun. Um, the world of cannonball on the internet is highly misunderstood. And I think it's pretty funny, actually. Um, before 2019, there was only two people that had broken the record in 30 years. One of them was Alex Roy with Dave Marr. And the other one was Ed Bolian with Dave Black. 
So anytime a record got broken, it was big news. It was a big deal. Arnie and I broke the record in 2019, and it was big news, and it was a big deal. It had stood for six years, and we crushed it by about an hour and a half. It was a lifelong goal, I think, for both of us. It was a huge, it was a major accomplishment. It was something to celebrate. Um, we didn't do it for the notoriety, but international news took notice of it, and it was, I guess, exciting to see the the affirmation from that side of things. Um, and it was very clear that we were the record holders. That was understood. And that was, that was nice. And then COVID happened and it just kind of blew the floodgates open for people attempting records and claiming records and claiming all sorts of other records. Not that there's anything, you know, less important about a solo record or a pickup truck record or a nonstop record or a diesel record or any of those things. Those are all personal goals and personal accomplishments. And I, I guess we'd say it's it's like a class, right? If you're racing Le Mans, you have the, the LMP class, the GT1, GT2, GT3. And if you win your class, that is impressive and an incredible accomplishment, but it's, you know, it's still about winning overall but anyway so everybody's kind of made up their own classes and claimed their own class wins but in that and in the mess of covid uh with everybody setting new records it kind of muddied the waters such that nobody knew who held the record anymore or what it was or what even cannonball was they just knew that it was all over the news and I, i've gotten a lot of entertainment from both reading reddit and some other sources with semi-informed people waxing eloquent or trying to share their expertise on Cannonball. And recently this guy, Drew Dernal, I don't know, he's apparently a big deal on the, the social medias, but he posted this TikTok video, which was uh, delinea- uh, uh, dissecting this uh, history of Cannonball records from like the 19 teens to present with motorcycles, cars, and EVs. And he was absolutely clueless. It was the dumbest friggin' most uninformed commentary ever. He had done zero research about Cannonball, and all he did was ask a bunch of stupid questions that would have been answered if he had done eight minutes of research. But the funny thing about it was the comments. The comments were freaking hilarious. I'm just going to read through a few of them. For you, Arnie. All right. Well, I have I have not heard about you this. Have, this, is, this is there was a graph posted. Yeah, there was a graph posted. You've oh, seen the graph, graph, right? Well, no, he didn't have a graph. Somebody else made a graph. It was actually really cool that showed like the curve of the Cannonball times from um, uh, uh, Irwin Cannonball oh, Baker's okay. time and like the the motorcycle versus car time versus electric cars and just how that has compressed over time. Oh, okay. I think you or Ed sent sent me that. And then yeah, there's a but wall. I haven't seen the actual video. Right. Yeah. It's or so re- it's, or read commentary. Oh, and the, the, this video is it's it's he was just spewing garbage the whole time. It was so stupid. So um, Ethan told me to film a TikTok response video. I didn't know that was a thing you could do, but that's yeah. I don't know. I'm approaching know boomer status, so. If he shows me how to do it, I'll, I'll do it. So but I'm just going to call him out. Uh, anyway, so here's some of the comments. They're great. They were able to do it in 22 hours, 22 hours during COVID when no one was on the roads, really. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't remember that one. 
Because of COVID, they were able to leave Manhattan in five minutes instead of an hour. An hour? Yeah. I'd, wow. Apparently it takes an hour to get out of Manhattan. This, <laughs> this is a good one. This is, if any of you remember Alex Roy's scam, not scam, but his like April Fool's uh, cannonball article from, I don't know, eight years ago, that you'll, you'll get this reference. With a car, you have alternating drivers and two steering wheels, brakes and accelerator pedals, and a larger fuel tank for less stops. <laughs> the record was an Audi A6 that averaged 115 miles an hour in less than 30 minutes for fuel stops. Close. Close. The 2020 run was Ed Boleyn. His run has basically disregarded since he did it during COVID. <laughs> Hold on, we're getting really close here. The record is held by a Mercedes AMG that ran it in 27 hours and 25 minutes. Hmm, okay. Their names are Ed Bolian and Dave Black. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Motorcycles have small tanks. The current record holder did it in a GMC 1500 with a 250-gallon fuel cell. <laughs> what? <laughs> Apparently Steve Brown has a record. <laughs> He actually made it through the first stretch on New York in 14 minutes as compared to one to two hours. All right. For 22 hours, I'm guessing the average speed was 120 MPH. That's yeah. some pretty easy math. <laughs> no, this calculator will tell you that. That 20-hour run was Ed from VinWiki. I wonder if Ed knows he went this fast. Pretty... <laughs> Pretty sure the first diesel bus broke all the records because he didn't stop to refuel. <laughs> oh, man. So many experts. Cannonball runs are fun. Once met a guy who attempted to run averaging 180 MPH. He eventually got arrested and bailed out. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I know. I think a lot of people have big fish stories. I'd like to, I'd like to meet this guy averaging 180 <laughs> Guy did it in a Mercedes AMG and averaged like 140 MPH for almost a full day. Average. All right. This, this is getting closer to the reality. <laughs> but this actually shows how good your disguise was, Arnie. The most recent one was in a used police interceptor. <laughs> All right. I, I fooled that guy. <laughs> you fooled that guy. Uh, oh, man. this This guy starts out good, but... The record is 25 hours and some change. The one from California to New York to California is just set by a sob at 32-ish hours. <laughs> Holy cow, they were flying. <laughs> the math is so bad. 32 That's hours impressive. out and back. I'm happy to be in this article. Was not expecting that. Uh... A guy I'm related to broke the record by filling the trunk with batteries to be able to compete with gas vehicles. Anyone heard of that one? Oh, man, my head hurts. <laughs> gas monkey garage. Richard put a massive fuel tank in a car so he didn't have to stop. Oh, wow. <laughs> so what I've learned from reading these comments is nobody knows anymore who holds the record, what the record is what car it was 
it's there's so much confusion fusion given all the different runs that have happened and it's you know it's Ed Bolian and Fred Ashmore in a Ferrari 550 Marinello with spotter planes and they did it in 22 hours like it, it's almost it takes away from it's kind of like going to a gas station somebody asks like, how much did that car cost and it doesn't matter what number you say they're gonna go whoa <laughs> And the cannonball time is like that now. Like nobody can actually comprehend math and the fact that it's 2,800 miles and how arduous it is to be able to average, I mean, just to go less than 30 hours. So if I told somebody I did it in 17 hours, they'd be like, whoa, that's pretty cool. If I said 28 hours, whoa, that's pretty cool. Like that, there's just, there's no frame of reference anymore. And to me, that was the, the biggest thing that COVID and and all the the smattering of runs kind of took away from that was the the mystique of Cannonball and the awe that yeah no was it, there it definitely ruined it for for a record so talk to me about that and talk talk to me about so in 2019 we did 27 hours and 25 minutes in your E63 and it had taken six years to beat there was multiple attempts at Ed's record and then in 2020 during COVID. The twenty-seven twenty-five time was beaten five times, four times, I guess. Gee, and might have, been, might have been even more than that. And we went out and did it in twenty-five hours and thirty-nine minutes, which is a faster time and is the record. But talk to me about the difference to you between twenty-seven twenty-five pre-COVID, we'll say, and the second run twenty-five thirty-nine post-COVID. Um, well, twenty-seven, twenty-five definitely means way more to me. I've said that over and over again because that was that was like achieving something that I guess nobody thought was possible. So a lot of people didn't think that twenty-eight fifty was beatable. I think I think we were probably the first people to figure it out when we we did the uh, the test run, the Southern Trail record in uh, on Christmas of twenty eighteen, and we were able to average basically Ed's average with getting pulled over three times right and massive fueling issues and oh we traffic had, yeah, we had weather so many everything that could go wrong went wrong yeah i mean we had so many issues on that run it was pretty clear that you know you we the car the car was definitely a lot better than than ed's um yeah i don't know you know twenty five thirty nine. it was you know obviously it's the record but the mercedes is such a better car Mm-hmm. Then the S six, I, I kind of felt cheated because I, if we would have been in the Mercedes, I think if we would have been out on April fourth, the night the the Mercedes got hit, I think we could have done sub twenty four hours. Yeah, like that was like that was the magic weekend. But it still wouldn't have meant as much. It's no, you're right. And it, why it, is that? Um. Well, it felt. I I don't know. It it felt too easy. Um. It, at the time. We didn't really understand what COVID really was. You know, it, it, it almost felt like dirty doing it at that time because, you know, is the world ending? I pretty much knew that it wasn't. But, you know, I mean, that's not that was not the uh, the widespread feeling about it. Sure. Um, I don't know. It, it, I think the magic happened on 2725, you know, that it was, that was such huge news. Now it's just record after record and attempt after attempt it's just we've 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 entered this cycle where too many people know about it i guess mm-hmm. 
it's just it's, not, it's been diluted. Yes. Oh, it's been s- severely diluted. Yeah. And, and people you're are right. trying to make a name for themselves. Yeah. There'll I, be a like nobody Mark and Spence. then hey, I just did this. Yeah. yeah oh, like, like Mark Spence. <laughs> <laughs> you walked right into that one, Mark. C to C to C, I broke my own record. <laughs> So in a, uh, in a way that's cool that people are like going out there and and I tell you know a lot of people when I meet them at car shows and stuff they're like oh well you know tell me you know tell me about it should I do it I'm like absolutely as a car guy it's the ultimate bucket list thing to do like you don't have to do it at a breakneck speed or just go out and do it you know a lot of people oh I don't break the record it's just like just go out and do it. Right. Like that's that's where you need to start. Right. The people the people that have the highest aspirations are usually the ones that have are, are the least prepared. I want to go and break the record. Do you have a car? No. Do you have a team? No. Do you have a plan? No. And the people that go out and do it and do low 30 hours don't make a huge deal about it. They just go and do it. Yeah, I think I think it's like the ultimate thing to do in a car. Yeah. Like that so. Taurus team. Nobody knew who they were. They just went out and did it. I don't even know what Team you're talking I was about. like 3120 or something that just happened the other day. Oh, yeah. in the SHO. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they just went out and did it because they wanted to do it. Right. Right. No yeah. one knew about it. And yeah. And they put down a really impressive time. Yeah. It was faster than your coast to coast to coast time at 32 hours. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thanks. Um, just remember, I did what you did, but turned around and went back. Yeah, that that's uh, that's next level crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I mean, we kind of did that on twenty five thirty nine, right? Yeah, we, we did drive back to Illinois, so but yeah, we weren't booking it. I, I don't I, I don't know how you go out and back because we slept for eight hours in a hotel room, eight ten hours, and then drove. And we were back. still driving. <laughs> You were still driving, and we turned around, drove back to Illinois from California, and it was like I was, you know, that's dangerous driving. I was falling asleep at the wheel. Cannonballing is not dangerous. That was dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. A lot of people don't understand Cannonball, and they think it is what they kind of see in the media from Gumball and Gold Rush and all the different playboy rallies Mm -hmm. so you are not only a cannonball veteran but you are a rally veteran you've done more gold rush rallies than just about anyone and also the ultimate road rally you are no stranger to those things how is there any similarity between doing a rich guy rally and doing a cannonball no not not at all it's it's two opposite things even though that i'm guessing that most people that do that get into rallies and stuff want to do it because they want to get a feeling of what it's like to be on a cannonball but i mean it's nothing like that don't get me wrong i like rallies like it's i like rallies because it makes the the world your playground Mm -hmm. and i like traveling but I don't like go. I don't like going to a destination and staying there for like three days. I like to get in, get out, and go. So that's that's what I like about rallies. Um, do you think rallies are more or less dangerous than cannonball? Cannonball, you're oh. speeding across country, 
at triple digit speeds, rallies, you're just you're just on a cruise with a bunch of people spending the night at hotels. Rallies are far more dangerous. Why is that? It's when I like being out there by myself. That's like that's why that's what I like most about Cannonball is like I basically only have to worry about myself. Um things can get crazy. It depends on who you drive with and it's not always the case, but I mean I've think I've seen things get a little crazy and you know become more dangerous than a than a cannonball would ever be right is it the testosterone factor yeah it's a testosterone factor um you know some people may not have driving experience a lot of people do but some don't and you know i i think that you get behind the wheel of one of these very capable cars and they are very capable and they are pretty darn safe compared comparatively speaking i guess but you know still people can outdrive them and you know the uh, passing on two lane roads c- can get dicey sometimes sure and so i just choose who, who i drive with and and uh, you choose me yes i choose you <laughs> but don't get me wrong rallies are a really cool way to see the country there's um there's so much to see outside of the interstates yeah, uh, just smaller towns and back roads and everything else. I, I've gotten to drive like all over this country on these rallies and see stuff that I would never, I, you know, I wouldn't see a quarter of that in my lifetime if it wasn't for doing them. What's the best rally you've been on? I would say for me, the best rally was Adventure Drives. Gotcha. Super Speeders Rob. He he puts on a great event and. It may not be for everyone because it's not as flashy. He doesn't sticker the cars. Uh, it's a, he always keeps it to a smaller, uh, more intimate group. It's usually 25 cars total, so 50 people. It's a lot easier to get 50 people into a really cool venue than it is 200. Sure. And, you know, when you do some of the bigger rallies, it can get a little clicky. And that's not a dig on any rally. That's just what happens when there's so many people, you know, you just, you kind of fit in with your group and then that's your group. Uh, when you have only 25 cars, 50 people, you're able to, you know, you're all eating together and you're, you're able to like, I guess, hang out with everybody. Sure. Celebrity Machines is a proud sponsor of SwitchCast. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they appeared in movies and TV shows like Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Office, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our Switch Cars dealer insert plates as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save a whopping 25.39% at checkout. These make great gifts for Dad, and Father's Day is coming up. So if you want a a good cost-effective gift that you know he'll like, pick out his favorite TV show or movie, go on CelebrityMachines.com, grab the license plate, and use discount code SWITCHCAST. It is also, the show is also brought to you by Nuts for Sticks. If you go on nutsforsticks.com, you can get your sweet t-shirts, merchandise, including the ever-popular Keep Your Woman But Switch Cars shirt and the new Stegosaurus 
and that's right, Stegosaurus Rex. Oh, wrong way. Stegosaurus and Stegosaurus Rex t-shirt. I love dad jokes. I love puns. So you can go online and get those. Again, another great Father's Day gift. Use discount code SWITCHCAST at Nuts4Sticks. That's number four, Nuts4Sticks.com, and use discount code SWITCHCAST for 10% off your merchandise order. All right. Uh, smooth Mark Spence's beard. Mm. See what I did there is a Wheel of Fortune before and after. Did you Not ever watch Wheel of Fortune? Yes. Okay. You know the before and after category? No. Ah, that's my favorite one. Okay, anyway, <laughs> fire away with your questions. The first question's from Mason Dibley. 27, 25, and 25, 39 are both amazing achievements on their own. It's their one time you are more proud of between the two. On Vinwick, you said 25, 39 felt too easy, so I'm curious. Yeah, twenty seven, twenty five for sure. That was it was uh a lot of a lot of unknowns, um a lot of planning went into that. Uh I one of the things I didn't like about twenty five thirty nine is we threw the car together in you know, a few days and I don't like doing that like cause I like building the car. Uh, that's m- my favorite part of Cannonball is building the car. So I felt kind of cheated that I had to throw this thing together in a short amount of time. And there were wires everywhere. And it was just not. You remember how I organized I had the Mercedes. Right. Yeah. You were all about your shelves. Oh, yes. My shelving system. Very proud of that. I, I still, I'm There's still no such that. shelving in the Audi. No, there, there's not. Yeah. That was that was like that uh, that electronic stack from the Corvette that we just strapped in the back seat. Yeah. Yeah, that was but it worked. Not my proudest. It worked, but no, it wasn't moment. It wasn't fully integrated. No, no, I so that's that's my I that that's probably one of my biggest hang-ups, I think. With the run is just the car was not So not why uh, let's back up a little bit. We use the E63 for 2725. It's the greatest cannonball car ever. Why did you not use the Audi S6? For the second run, I did use the Audi S6. I mean, sorry, why did you not use the, the, the Audi E63? Why did the I E63? Use it? Yeah, why why did you have to throw together an Audi S6? Because my E63 got hit by a truck. Gotcha. What? How is that going? So the the E63 got hit by a truck. Not everybody knows this. Maybe everybody watching this, but anyway, not everybody knows this. So you were scouting for another run parked on the side of the highway. And a delimited, deregulated truck who would trucker who had fallen asleep ran into the back of your cannonball car. Yes, and amazing, and almost the, me. Yes, almost you. Amazingly, the fuel cell was just about as unscathed as you were. Only yeah, a slight scratch. You were able to reuse it for the Audi S6, which is friggin' amazing. Um, so, where was I going with that? I know where I was going with that. My brain, know, my brain know where is the catching car is. up to my mouth. Right. Okay. So the the car was totaled, went to salvage auction, and then what? I got it back. That was a that was a fun experience. They uh, yeah. So, well, it wasn't just that simple. Yeah. No, I got no, it back. No, it was it was surely not that simple. Um, so I won it the first time for seventeen grand and the the salvage auction. The salvage yep. auction. Uh, I did not understand. I thought you win an auction. You win an auction. 
Well, that's not the case with these salvage auctions, I find out. Um, They're able to come back to me with a price of more what they want. Apparently, they wanted $35,000 for it. Which the value of that car in really clean trim at that time was what, like 45? No, it was probably 40. Right. 39, 40. Okay. Yeah. So they wanted almost full retail value for a wrecked car because yes. they had figured out what the car was. Yeah. They, fi- they, they figured out that it was the, the cannonball record car. So they thought that that for some reason made it worth a whole lot more than it was. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not paying that. And you, you were, uh, proverbially, proverbially, proverbially speaking, you were the only buyer. Yes. Yeah, you were the ass for that seat. Yes, exactly. So I was the only person that uh, that bid on it. So I'm like, all right, you know, run it again then, you know. So so what uh, what I did was we actually three or four days before the second auction, we released the 2539 story. So basically making the car irrelevant. So I won. The, I won it again for like for 18 or for something? no for 17 again. <laughs> And I was the only bidder. So they came back to me. Instead of 35, they came back to me at like 24. I'm like, look, I'll give you 18 grand for this thing. If you want to run this car again, knock your socks off. Nobody wants it. So they, they, what I find out about these auctions is if a car keeps going back and back and back, it just continually just degrades how much they're going to get for it. So they just they, they cut sure. their losses, and I, I got the car back for 18 grand. Sure. And then, then what? You found out that they had kifed a whole bunch of parts off of it, right? Scavenged it? No, they actually didn't on that car. So I got the car back. Um, uh, Fonzie from Foreign Builds out in Sacramento reached out to me and said, Hey, I, I'm a big fan of the car. I'd love to rebuild it for you um, if you'd let me. And it, you know, I just got the thing back, and I'd seen some of their work before. Um, they work with the daily driven exotic guys and stuff. So it, seemingly they, they knew what they were doing. So I'm like, absolutely. I'm like, what do you need from me? He's like, well, get another car for parts and send it out to me. So I bought another E63. I bought a, a very light front end hit E63 um, through my company Prime Cuts. I never even saw the car. So we got the thing quickly, just pulled the motor trans. I said, just you know, strip whatever parts you want off of it, and we'll ship it out to California. So I sent it out there. They're the ones that they put an E550 rear bumper on it. They switched the seats on me. They uh, they took the AMG like uh, instrument cluster out of it. Just like a just like little nitpicky. <laughs> they were trying to help you with your disguise. Yes, they did. So so now the <laughs> so now so they, so foreign builds put the car together. Did a really nice job. Uh, they drilled out all the spot welds. So I guess a lot of modern cars are like this. You could drill out all the spot welds and basically just separate the car in two pieces. That car got hit at like 40 miles an hour at a standstill from a semi-truck. The floor pans were not even tweaked at all. The E-Class Mercedes is probably one of the most well-built cars out there. Hmm. Highly recommend because that car got hit so, so hard. And like you said, the fuel cell was in the back. It didn't even get touched. And yeah, the the floor pans were good, so it was actually a pretty straightforward rebuild. But now the car has an E five fifty rear bumper, perfect. Which yes, now normally I'd probably be pretty upset about that. But when I saw it, I'm like, you would have paid oh, extra man, for that. I would have I would have totally done that. I didn't 
I didn't even think of that. Can you just put a Honda Accord rear bumper on it and be done with it? No, I don't think that's going to work. All right, Smooth Mark, what do we got? Give me one second. No. I wasn't ready for it. I this is live. Something. Come on. I, I watched him drive that car off the freeway. Uh, it was perfect. Yeah, through the binoculars. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting night. Next question is from Dan vs. Cars. Any other updates in the Mint Porsche, which you answered earlier, right? Uh, yeah, it was supposed to run at Mannheim today. It didn't. They're like fixing a wheel or something like that. It's running next week. The wholesaler who has it says it's a really nice car. It's fixed right. I mean, I don't know. The the pictures of the paintwork tell me otherwise, but I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. It's it's going to go for too much money. That That's it. It's going to keep circling. It's going to do the friggin' hot potato scoring lover thing, whatever you call it. It's going to go from dealer to dealer, and, you know, eventually somebody will. Then some YouTuber gets it. Right. Ed Bullion. <laughs> Next question is from I Elliot Burkett. <laughs> in America. Next question is from Elliot Burkett. For both of you, what has been the scariest cannonball moment? I don't know. I got two. Give me both, then you get two. I, I don't remember any. One was <laughs> on the 2904 in 2015. That was my first cannonball. And... There was, I was on the binoculars. Miles was driving. I was in the backseat on the binoculars. And it's the middle of the night. And I just saw some white, like the out, it's like a white outline of an animal run across the road. And I, like, I saw it through the binoculars. So it was like really like in my face. And Miles saw it. And it was a non issue. You know, we just like, it was kind of a tap the brakes and like, whoa. That was kind of crazy. So that was uh, that was a scary moment. But in the bon- binoculars, it looked like it was right in front. Yes. Of you. So for me, that was probably you know the the scariest moment. Um, maybe the scariest moment for Doug was when the E sixty three got airborne in Utah in twenty nineteen on twenty seven twenty five run. I don't think that was scary for me. It was more of a like, gee, I'm really glad we weren't going one hundred sixty. Yeah, no, I, yeah, like, I, that didn't scare that me. That car was so planted that it was just like, oh, oh okay, that, that so happened. Good. But it was just a, oh, what if moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, there's never been any scary moments for me on cannonballs. It's always been emotional moments. Like the car breaks and you think your run's over. I've had that happen way too many times. I, I don't remember any, like, we've had people intentionally cut us off and they're like, uh, whatever moments, but yeah, nothing truly scary that I can remember. Yeah, I mean, even the the ones I just shared were not terribly scary, but that that's those are the two that stuck out. Yeah. Let's see. The next question is from Nick Kruger. Having done a number of runs together now, who is the better driver, better passenger, spotter, blah 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 blah. Well, this is like fighting words right here. <laughs> we each have our own strengths. I would say when when so people have asked me that before. Doug is a more consistent driver. Like he will, he will stick to a, a certain window of speed, and that's where he'll be. I'm a little. Arnie's the hammer. Yeah, I like <laughs> maybe because it's my own car, um, but I don't. I don't even know because I was flogging the the uh, the Monte Carlo pretty good too. I'm more aggressive, I guess. In the in the in the open areas, I'll 
like like I'll floor it. Like like Doug doesn't really floor it too much. But our average speeds for our segments work out to be pretty dang similar. Yeah, I'm not saying that one's better than no, the other. No, I'm just saying like we have different techniques, but it's not like I would think because when you took over on the 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 first driver change um, <clears throat> on our first run. A couple of people texted me like, oh, Arnie must be in the car now because I'm seeing these crazy speeds. And that was true. But then when you look back at the averages and it like they they didn't they didn't really change. So, right. Yeah. So you're you're more consistent than me. <clears throat> yeah. I hold like 140 and average close to that. And you're like 160, 100. I don't know. I, I don't know how it works. But yes, it's as someone who's seen you guys both drive. The... I blink and you're gone. Yeah. That's the. It's the crazy thing about it. Yeah. Let's see. The next question is from Ren Henry. Arnie, what are you bringing to the Southern Classic next year? That I don't know, actually. Well, it I don't, might, I don't oh, it might be Doug's car. Yeah, no, that's that's a possibility. Yeah. I have a 1979-911 that I think would be fitting for an event and... Yeah, we might run that next year. Yeah, that's possible. Next question is from Lou Sassel. Best untold <laughs> E63 story. Wait. Was... Nothing. <sighs> Did I just get one of those meme words or something like that? Anyway, speaking of the Southern Classic, in honor of Arnie, Arnie does the best redneck impression. Arnie is a, is a master of disguise and costume. If there's ever a competition for cannonballers in costumes, it would be called the masquerade ball. Yes, that's a there's a play on words there. So I am I'm opening a, a Coors banquet with my vintage um, bottle opener here. But yeah, Arnie has had a number of bandit cars, a pro touring bandit Trans Am with an LS three three in it that he would film videos of him as the bandit with cases of Coors in his trunk. Just doing huge burnouts. Yeah, I, I had that car for like five years. Finally, I finally w- wore it out. I'm like, people are like, I can't believe you're selling it. I'm like, how many times can you dress up as Burt Reynolds and flog <laughs> and a Trans Am around? And down. So in 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 honor of having Arnie here tonight, I'm I'm drinking a Coors Banquet. I did I did do the ultimate thing though as the bandit in my Dirty Bird, the Southern Classic. In January, yes, you did, and I was bummed. Tell tell us about that. So tell us about the Dirty Bird. So the story the, behind that. Car. So the Dirty Bird <laughs> is a 1977 uh, black Trans Am. It's not a special edition, so it's not it's not a real bandit. It doesn't have T tops or whatever. But my parents' neighbor bought it brand new in '77, and I remember as a kid just absolutely drooling over this car. And it's probably one of the most pivotal cars in my life because it's just such a beautiful car and it made such an impression on me. He, over the years, he wasn't much of a car guy, believe it or not, but over the years, the car would migrate from being in the garage and waxed all the time to sitting outside some and being under a cover. So, you know, it's got a lot of patina, but he always kept up with it mechanically. In 2017, the car, he used to take it to the service station, actually that gas station I used to work at. He would always take it there to get service, and it needed a radiator, and a, it had a gas leak or something. And he just said, I'm done. So the guys over at Fry's Automotive called me, and they're like, hey, man, Don 
is wants to get rid of this car. So I'm like, I will 100% buy it. I know I'm going to regret buying it because I already have a, <laughs> I already have a fully re- rotisserie restored pro touring car uh, Trans Am because of this 77 Trans Am. I'm like, I absolutely have to have it. And you, yeah, but you probably bought it for what one one hundredth of the price of your pro touring car. Yeah, basically. So I get this thing and big regrets. And I, I hadn't driven it or anything, so I didn't know how much mechanical work it needed or anything. My, my first thought is like, I'm going to LS swap it, and I'll do like the C to C Express in it or something. Well, I went and picked it up, and the thing drives like a new car. Like if you look at the car, like it looks terrible. But when you drive it, it's like being in 1977 again. The interior is really nice. The car's super smooth. So what I did this year was you and I were supposed to go on the Southern Classic, and the Southern Classic is a a run from Atlanta to Texarkana. You pick up a six-pack of Coors Banquet, and then you run back. It's 1,350 miles both ways. It's replicating the original supposed route of... Right, you start you start the from the fairgrounds yep. in Atlanta where they they filmed the beginning of the movie. Yep, and then you go to Texarkana to an arbitrary gas station that the, that Taylor the the organizer has picked, and that's the that's the route. So you and I were supposed to go. Um, when I left that morning to head down to Atlanta for this run, Doug is sick, so I ended up uh, running with uh, with Bradley, uh, who lives down in in Atlanta as kind of a, a last minute substitute and. Man, you missed a good time. Yeah. So I, I dressed as the bandit and drove this childhood dream car. Not a car like my childhood dream car. My childhood dream car. And I tell you, man, that car has magic powers because we ran that thing between 110 and 120, which was its top speed, back and forth. I mean, this is... And those motors are not supposed to be run at high RPM No, either. They, they, like, people warned me. They said, yep. don't run it over 3,000 RPM. We were running it over 3,000 RPM. <laughs> the whole the time. The whole time. And it was amazing because we ran at 15 hours in one minute, 91 mile an hour overall average in a bone stock, original Pontiac 400. I mean, the the valve covered gaskets are original. Oh my goodness! The transmission's original. The like I replaced the suspension, brakes, brake lines, and that kind of stuff. But like the drivetrain is original, and we came in second place, beat out all the pro touring cars. The only car that beat me, and it beat me by 16 minutes, was an 84 Ferrari 308 GTS Quattro Valve. Was that, was that even eligible? I guess under the rules it was, yeah. Yeah, no, it's that 100% yeah. eligible. Yeah. And, you know, I got beat fair and square. Yeah, no. And Well, and you couldn't have gotten beat by a cooler car. Either. Oh, no, I know. That's, yeah. You know, that was that was. Burt Reynolds gets beat by Magnum PI, <laughs> yeah. sort of. By a great team, too. Yeah. So that was awesome. uh, much respect for for Aaron, the owner of that car, for like taking it out yeah. there. Like I couldn't even be mad at that. But that was a cool journey. We all were excited to see just because of your history with the car. Yeah. So that was like, I mean, that was probably the top three coolest things I've ever done in a car. Yeah. All right, Mark. Next question. Uh, Arnie, can you touch on Crook County and its origins? Is it a reference to Crook County, Chicago? Yeah. So so. Oh yeah. I guess I forgot. Uh, that that business too. Crook County is kind of a uh, it's a side project for for a couple of buddy of mine. Um, we came on uh, three years ago to kind of help them take it to the next level. It's well, I live in well I used to live in Cook County, which is the the major county in Chicago, and 
it, the politics there. I mean, it is the whole state is so poorly run, so crooked. Every, I think the last three governors have ended up in jail. Like it's <laughs> it's a very it's a very crooked town, and it all stems from Cook County. So it it's it has this name of Crook County. So my buddies uh, decided, like, oh man, wouldn't it be funny if we had a, we had a clothing brand called Crook County? Like. Let's just see if anyone's trademarked that name. And they didn't in 2012. They checked, and no one had trademarked the name Crook County. So they nabbed it. I came on in, like, 2018 or 2019. But um, so, yeah, so it's just, like, a, a fun little clothing brand to be associated with. And, and it's in Chicago, it's, like, it's pretty big. You know, it's kind of limited in the fact that, you know, right. you got to be outside from, of Chicago. Outside of Chicago, knows, yeah. does it really make sense? But I'll tell you. Every time I wear Crook County clothing, and it doesn't matter. I could be in Florida. Someone will come up to me and be like, Crook County. Yeah, I, you know, I spent some time there in Chicago, and you know, they, they know about it. It's, it's, so it's, it's kind of funny that That's neat. Yeah, it, it does uh, do that. That's neat. Next question is from Not Trevor Warren. Checking in from Orlando, Florida to both Doug and Arnie. I work for a funeral home picking up the deceased. Just know your voice has been heard in the presence of many bodies. Also, I wish our hearse was as fast as yours. I was just going <laughs> to say, you have the world's fastest hearse. Yes. Is it still the world's fastest fastest hearse? So, yes, it is. Um, it, I guess that could be debatable. It, I would say it is the fastest hearse because I, I've actually gone 161 miles an hour in the half mile. There is a quicker hearse now. Um, really cool build. A guy in Colorado... Um, Holland Ash Hearse is is his Instagram handle. He's got a really cool pro charged. Uh, I, I don't know if it's a oh, Buick. I get it. Holland Ash. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Um, so, but it's like my car is a street car. Like it's full interior. I've got all the rollers in the back. I got a casket and everything. He gutted his, and it's. It, I mean, it's a race car, but it's, it's still it's heavy. My car weighs five thousand pounds. His probably weighs like four thousand or something. And I think he's gone high, high eights or mid eights with his. So it is quicker than mine, but he's also got a four link in the back, and he can't put a casket in it. So people say, so people say, like, do you have the world's fastest hearse? So I'm like, I, I, I don't care enough to argue it. Um, so you know, that's up to, that's up to the 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 viewer of the vehicle. But it is a really, <laughs> it is a really cool build, though. I do like it a lot. All but, that to say, if if you haven't gotten this by now, Arnie has the most ridiculous assortment of cars. He is a true car guy, and it, it runs really, really deep in his blood. He, he's not buying cars and parking them for their future collectability. I mean, we haven't even gotten into your friggin' lowriders and your three-wheeling <laughs> habits, but we'll leave that one alone. So, fire away. Uh, this next question is from Tyler to John. How did you guys first meet? Assuming you're like a couple brothers, what was the last thing you bickered about? <laughs> bickered, <laughs> packing too much stuff on the cannonball. Yes, yes. I, I, I will say that was me. I, I brought too many shoes. That Doug brought too many shoes, and then I proceeded at the first fuel stop to knock the gas pump out and soak my only pair of shoes with gas. As it, honey, I told you so. Yes, so that's that's when I just I just gave up. I'm not even going to say anything to Doug. There's no recovering from that one. But how we how we met was was funny because we when Ed first started Vinwicky, 
we're both individually friends with Ed, and he decided that after knowing both of us, he's like, I think I think you guys would get along really well. And uh, so the first time I went down to, to film a bunch of stories, Doug came down at the same time. Yeah. So it's all orchestrated by Ed to his own demise. Yes. And the, yeah, Ed off a joke about that. He's like, yeah, I introduced you guys and then you took my record. That's okay. He's made. I think he's doing all right. He's for made thousands of dollars off of our stories. Yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> tens, Only a couple. Tens of dollars he's made. <laughs> he keeps saying that, but then he's trying to buy a Bugatti. I think the YouTube money does just fine. All right. Next. <laughs> Let me get back through here real quick. Someone messaged me separately trying to get get in on this. Oh, trying to the jump line. the line. Well, How they're, much, on, they're, they're on hold they, right now. Hold on. They can jump the line by paying. We have these like badges or whatever on, on YouTube that you can pay extra to get your question. Well, he's on hold right now. Oh, okay. Okay. Aaron. <laughs> Aaron is the guy with the Ferrari 308. Uh-oh. We got some smack talking going on. Maybe if I can figure out how to do this. Hey. Hey, Aaron. smack talking. Hey guys, how's it um, going? How you doing? Good, good, good. Doing great, doing great. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't checked in with you guys since the bandit. So uh, I just thought, yeah, I heard my ears were burning there a little bit. So I thought <laughs> I'd give you a call. Yeah, you definitely had the coolest car at the Southern Classic. It was definitely my favorite. I appreciate that. Well, you know, I've had that car for boy, since 2014. I bought them when they were still cheap. And, you know, everybody looks at that car and thinks it's, you know, just too delicate for this kind of abuse. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously the thing held up. It's pretty wild. I was I was personally surprised at how well it worked. I just I love the video of you pulling in next to that uh, Chevelle or whatever muscle car it is. I don't know my muscle cars. I'm a terrible car. 67 guy, Chevelle. It was a Chevelle. I got it right. Yeah, oh yeah. my that goodness! Was a, that yeah. was a really nice car. Uh, give me a boomer points. Um, you guys like hauling in, screeching to a stop, and running to the time clock. Even though it wasn't like you guys weren't competing for a position, it was just it was like the old school cannonball. It was a fun video to watch. Yeah. Well, let, let me tell you something. We uh, we were with them from. Texarkana. So we were fueling at the same time in Texarkana. And we were neck and neck coming back the whole way. And, you know, as you may remember, the traffic got pretty intense coming back into Atlanta. And so... I don't remember anything. I was laying on the couch the whole time. Don't rub it in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it it was uh, was pretty white knuckles there for the last uh, last hour. And so by the time we pulled in, we were just completely vibrating. Um, and the, the crazy thing was, in, as we're cutting through all that traffic, some civilian in, in, a, uh, in an Audi S3, S4, uh, sort of starts tagging along with us. And so there's two competitors and this one just guy out of nowhere. Uh, who must have just, I, I don't know what he thought. He thought it was a, a free ride to pick up on your coattails. That's always the worst. Uh, that is the worst. That is the worst on any cannonball, uh, or, uh, any cannonball, the friggin' street racers. Well, you know, we, we didn't let it get to us. But, you know, point is, by the time we were pulling into the parking lot there, um, we were, uh, you know, we, we were pretty pretty hyped up. 
Yeah. So, uh, how far how far ahead of the Chevelle did you guys leave or behind? They were I guess. fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. 15 minutes. 15 okay. Minutes. All right. All right. So you had made up fifteen so minutes on them, and then you were neck and neck the whole the whole way back. I mean, we knew we knew we had beaten them, but uh, yeah, you know, we had. I, I I was kind of figuring we'd have a mid pack finish. When they told me I'd won, I was just flummoxed. Um, did not expect that at all. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was it was so cool to watch. It wasn't cool to watch from my couch, but if I had to do anything, it was it was fun to watch all you guys and see the cars that showed up and see the spirit of it, and you know to see Arnie and Bradley finish, and and those two guys who have such affinity for the the whole Bandit thing and Bandit yeah. Trans Ams, and, yep. and to see you guys come in first in the three hundred eight was was super cool. I mean, it was a good throwback to. Uh, the 83 U.S. Express, you know, that the, the Ferrari yeah, 308 held the Cannonball coast to coast record for 30 years until Alex Roy broke it. So it's, yeah. it was a great tribute car. I don't know. So, it's probably not why you guys picked it, but it was cool to see that. Well, you know, it, it, we picked it because it was what we had on hand that fit the rules. Which brings me to my next point, which is uh, next year, uh, 83 is the hard cutoff. Our car is an 84. So, yes, uh, but 84 so, is the hard cutoff for the U.S. Express, and it would really be a shame if you guys ran the U.S. Express and did 32 hours and 7 minutes. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. <laughs> Well, that, uh, you know, I, I think C to C, that's done with three people in the car. I, I'm not convinced that the 308 is the ideal. And David Diem and Doug but, Turner you know, were convinced. I, I know. Come on. Come on. They were younger than I am. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a long haul. But um, we'll see. Um, we'll see what we come up with. But you know, I'm I'm going to leave you guys with uh, with with the last observation, which is you, you referred to the 308 as the Magnum PI car. It is not the Magnum PI car. It is the Sammy Davis Jr. car. Right. So <laughs> yeah, what, what, what Magnum was a 328, okay. right? No, no, it wasn't Magnum the 308. Was a, no, it was a 308. Magnum was the 308 also. Oh, it was, I'm okay. Just oh, he's just saying the identity Magnum. of the car in Cannonball lore is I gotcha. the, the Sammy Davis. It's the priest car. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> Amen. God bless you both. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, th- <laughs> thanks, Aaron, for the call. Great to chat with you, and we sure. hope you do run the Ferrari on the U.S. Express. That isn't happening. I don't know what we're yeah. talking about. It's an imaginary. It's Minecraft. It's metaverse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll see you. Absolutely. We'll see you, Aaron. I'll see you guys. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, Mark, what do we got? The next question is from Rob Spector. How's the restoration of the E63 going? Also, how are you two feeling watching the crash in real time? Well, the, the rebuild, the car is rebuilt mechanically. Um, it's got a couple of electronic gremlins that we're sorting through. I think the third brake light doesn't work and the trunk release doesn't work, but everything else is good. So I need to get all that fixed so we can get the uh, state of Illinois to recertify the title so I can get a rebuilt title and then actually title the car. 
And from there, then I just got to throw some antennas on it and do like the silver vinyl work to turn it back into the silver passenger car. But I'd say we're, I don't know, probably, probably a month, four to six weeks out until that car. Are you glad you bought the car back? Yeah. No, I, I, the car is a piece of history. Someone had to do it and it obviously made the most sense for it to be me, I guess, because I get really attached to the cars. (laughs) <laughs> like way too attached yes you do even you even, still have the insight yes yeah even cars that that break down yeah the only car i wouldn't be interested in would be ultra beige shut up <laughs> me neither <laughs> me neither <laughs> biggest financial mistake of my life and i got married once before too uh <laughs> i think my first divorce cost me less than ultra beige <laughs> Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> that's why you don't get married. No. I'm not sure which one was more painful. Uh, all right. <laughs> Moving on, Mark. Well, there was a second part to that question, too. Oh, yeah. What was the second how, part? How did you feel about watching that video? Well, I guess that's a question for Doug because I, I didn't so. have to watch the video. I got the live version. I saw it in binoculars. I, 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 for some reason, I didn't think it was real. Like, I, you know, he sent us this. He sent Ed and I in our group text a a something and i thought it was a photo and i I don't i don't even know what like it just it didn't register and i thought it was just i don't know what i thought it just didn't register as real and then i watched it and i'm like this has to be a joke like you photoshopped this or something like this this isn't real and then it was real and i'm just like man Frick. Yeah. Nah, it, it sucked. Really sucked. To sucked. Even think about. And that was when it was still our record. Like, that that record meant so much. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think the thing that's lost in all the COVID records, not to take anything away from whatever people did, because they went out and did it. I'm proud of the people that did it. But the emotions that went into preparing for getting to the starting line of something that I always in the back of my mind thought I want to do this, but I never actually thought I would be at the red ball in a capable car with a capable team. Like we're about to actually go out and break the cannonball record. That was the stuff of dreams. And I still to this day almost get teary eyed when I'm recounting the story of that run and I talk about when we broke down in Colorado and I thought our run was over. And I do get teary-eyed when I talk about the the congratulations surprise dinner that my wife threw for me and most of you guys were there. Like it was such a big deal. And then to just see that car destroyed was really really hard. And I knew how much harder it was for Arnie because it was his car. He poured his heart and soul and bank account into it. So, yeah, it it, it friggin' sucked. Well, I'm kind of crying a little bit. <laughs> well, what sucks, too, is I got I saw that happen on for me when I spotted for you guys. When you guys did the first run. Yeah. And for you to come out and help me and have the car get destroyed right in front of me, I'm kind of like... I really you gotta did, be you know, I didn't me. put it all together. I think it's Mark Spence's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I was a backup driver. I remember <laughs> even in the Corvette, Berkeley and I were scouting for you guys through Ohio when we got to our stopping point. Like we pulled into a turnaround mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, two car widths off of the highway and I'm still like Berkeley was videoing you guys and I'm just sitting there watching my mirrors because I just I hate being on the side of the road because I was nervous. There was no traffic, but the trucker traffic was horrible. It was 10 times what it was not on a normal day. Yeah. Because they were driving with no restrictions. Yeah. They can drive 20 hours a day if they wanted to. Yeah. All right. Next question. Oh, I put my phone away. Sorry. Yeah, come on. I was reminiscing. I was getting <laughs> You sad. have one job. He's, Mark's in the moment. I was in the one moment. Job. We're just going to talk about this segment is brought to you by Coors Banquet Beer. <laughs> The official beer of mustache. Uh, this question is from Kip Diggs. How would a P- Panamera fare as a cannonball car? Probably pretty well. Yeah, Panamera Turbo. Yeah. 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 There's a video of a Panamera Turbo going through Manhattan with like full lights and sirens that we all talked about. And we're like, oh, somebody running a cannonball in that. But nothing ever came of it. I don't know. Maybe yeah, they no, set I think the it'd record be and didn't talk about it. But the only drawback is it's a hatchback, so there's no like barrier if you put a fuel tank back there so you'd have to figure something out there but yeah good car next question is from todd finley what year does sub 24 happen 2020 next question (laughs) yeah (laughs) let's see this is from fiero what exhaust is on the s6 stock is that a stock exhaust on that car just just catless downpipes Wow. Stock is I the same thing with the E sixty three. That was a stock cap. It sounds amazing. Yeah, I, I don't. You know, people ask me all the time, "Why don't you put an exhaust in?" I'm like, man, I don't want to listen to that. <laughs> yeah, for twenty five hours. That small groan. Drone is there. the kryptonite of Cannonball. Let's see. This one's from Rob Specter, Arnie. When I rapped with you at the musket ball, it sounded like you were. Ex- experimenting with a lot of thermal camera cameras did you find anything you liked you wrapped with somebody yes i was i was throwing down some beats um <laughs> no yeah I, I was experimenting with a a uh late model bmw uh thermal camera that i got from a guy in like bulgaria he he knew somebody that like parted out some like prototype cars or something and he built me this like can bus breakout box and everything else it works pretty well it worked i had it on the insight for for musketball that's the one i'm talking about it worked pretty well for a car that fast not for anything faster yeah. i don't think it doesn't it doesn't uh the resolution's not that great i don't know i, I, I don't have, think we've ever i think in theory I would always want a thermal camera, but other than deer, we've never actually spotted a cop and said, oh, there's a cop in the median up there sitting dark and we can see him because of the heat signature. It's it's happened. It's I have seen the heat signature of a police car, not on a cannonball, just just driving. It, it has worked for me once. Gotcha. But yeah, never on a cannonball. And we've done, you know, a lot of cannonballs. Right. With thermal cameras. Right. Next question is from Robert Adams. I'm planning a cannonball with a friend. Is there a location to look at all current records and classes of cannonball attempts? There's a VinWiki, Vin, Vin Wiki has spreadsheet a spreadsheet somewhere. Google spreadsheet. 
I don't know where it actually lives. I have the link to it. Go to the C2C Express Facebook page and do some searching in there. If you beg, someone might send it to you off of there. I, yeah, I maybe. I don't think it's really a public thing, but it kind of is. But... It's not private. Yeah, I think yeah. anyone can access it. Yeah, so someone there will for sure be able to supply a link to it. Yeah. I've seen it once. That's what she said. And that was way before I got updated with everything now. That's what she said. Wow, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> the next question is from Elite Sunglasses. Guilty pleasure car for both of you. Arnie. <laughs> List this out. How much time do we have? Yeah, right. Exactly. We're gonna need another. I'm, show. I'm driving now. my guilty pleasure car. It's a Bentley Continental GT. It makes zero sense for a car guy. It's not a stick shift. It's big. It's heavy. It's a gas guzzler. It's luxurious. But for some odd they're, reason, they're great I cars. Really love driving it. Yeah, I no, think it'd be a good cannonball car if it got better gas mileage. Yeah. No, I like those cars a lot. Yeah. That, um. Geez, guilty pleasure car. My favorite car. We literally just talked about this earlier. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think my favorite car that I own is my Bluesmobile. Because everyone that sees that car is happy to see you. Like, I can go into the worst neighborhoods in Chicago, because obviously the movie, The Blues Brothers, if you're not familiar with it, was filmed in Chicago. So there's a lot of locations all throughout the city. Everywhere I can go to the worst neighborhood, I'm... I'm greeted with open arms. Everyone wants to take pictures with me. The police love it. I mean, everyone who sees the Blues Mobile either, A, doesn't know what it is, and they think it's crazy there's a speaker on top of a car. <laughs> you know, as we get, you know, younger people that don't know it. But if they know what it is, I mean, people will honk. People will wave. Like when when I go down to downtown Chicago and I drive down Michigan Avenue, I play the soundtrack. I've got eight speakers on the outside of the car, so I play the soundtrack, and people will literally dance in the street. It's it's fantastic. Sorry, you said literally. Yes. All I could think of was Rob Lowe in Parks and Rec. <laughs> literally. That, was... that that word gets thrown a lot uh, around a lot. That's why I wanted to emphasize because literally, that's what happens. Uh, <laughs> Now, was your Monaco a real cop car or was it a clone? No, it's not. It was not a real oh, cop car. I was always curious about that. No, it wasn't, and it also doesn't have a Mopar it doesn't engine. Really, have the 440 either. in it? No, it's got an LS motor. In it. Oh, come on! Man. Hey, does that thing have a Hemi? I just lost respect for you. Hey, man, I needed to get across <laughs> the country. We won the C to C Express. So, me, Ed, and Forrest dressed as the Blues Brothers. <laughs> And we won the uh, 2016 C2C Express in that car, dressed as the Blues Brothers. <laughs> With no air conditioning. <laughs> With no air conditioning in September. <laughs> That's awesome. This is also from Not Trevor Warren. Do either of you have any pets? Doug seems like a golden retriever type of guy. Maybe Arnie has a German Shepherd or similar. <laughs> Arnie likes cats. Yeah, I'm a cat guy. Arnie is a cat guy. And not, I'm not like... <gasps> I just grew up with cats, so that's just what I'm familiar with. Like I, I have had a couple dogs here and there coming in and out of my life, but uh, I don't know. I'm kind of a cat person. Yeah. No, I actually I did grow up with a German Shepherd, uh, not a German Shepherd, a Golden Retriever. Um, and then my wife had a Shepherd Husky mix when we got married, and now we have a Mutt, who's freaking awesome. So yeah, definitely a dog person. Yeah. Well, yeah. and definitely not a cat person. <laughs> From what I, I, I hear, like your cats. I don't like cats that pee on my Corvette. 
That's true. Jeepers. I do. I do have some incriminating photos of Doug with uh, with my favorite cat Eddie, who is more like a dog. I know people say that, but he is more like a dog. Uh, so much so that he always jumps in in Doug's lap, and <laughs> Doug's carrying him around and stuff. So like, Doug doesn't hate cats. I like cats, and they're like dogs. So. Yeah. Your Instagram page is very entertaining with all your cats. I yeah, miss I like cheddar or cheese or whatever. Cheese, the Lily cheese. cheese. Yeah, that Lily was a, that was our shop cat. She she moved she moved with her owner to uh, San Diego. Unfortunately, all right. We we have to give. No, we don't have to. We are we have the pleasure of giving a shout out to Robert. Robert Adams, who used our fancy YouTube thing to give us money, and said, "Thanks for all you do for the car community." Well, thank you, Robert. Appreciate Aww. it. Keep keep us going. Keep us going. Mark Spence's beard. What do you got? The next question is from VLM underscore Chris. Stegosaurus Rex shirts in kid sizes in the future. My nephew needs one. We have a men's small, which is as close as we get to kid sizes. It's slightly too small for me, which is I was going to say size. coincidentally that that's the size that Doug wears. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same you as a shop youth in the large. Kids section. Yeah, no, just just buy a small and put it in the dryer eighteen times, or feed your kids Wheaties. I'm out of questions. You're out of questions. Great, because I have more. Let her rip, Arnie. In just about. Sorry, I'm I'm trying to not seem like I'm reading this question, but I am reading this question. <laughs> In just about every aspect of racing and or professional sports, you know, the things that use one ball instead of two. Mm. You got you got I see what you're, I guess. I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> Those who are at the top of their game have massive endorsements and are typically fantastically wealthy. You have sunk tens of thousands, if not more, into Cannonball Project cars over the years with no expectation of return, no sponsorship deals, no documentaries, no endorsements, and no monetizations. It's not plural. Monetization. Is it worth it? 100%. I do it because I love it. Good. Why Why do you think that is, other than the simple fact that basketball is legal and cannonball is illegal? Why do you think that it's such an underground sport, and despite the international fame for people who set records, there's no money in it? Well, I think a lot of it stems from, I have a problem with authority, so I like the outlaw nature of it, and... Honestly, I think that speed limits these days are a little ridiculous. If you look at speed limits, they're the same as they were 60 years ago. And you, you can't tell me that, you know, a Honda Odyssey is not way more capable than a, you know, whatever, a 53 a Chevy. Ferrari 308. <laughs> right. Exa- right. Exactly. I mean, the, there, a Honda Odyssey literally went across the country in 31 and a half hours. It- <clears throat> So, you know, so why do I do Cannonball? It's the outlaw nature of it and also just to prove, you know, much like Brock Gates did, in, you know, in the 70s. He wanted to prove that good cars and good drivers could drive fast safely. Yeah. Why do you think, I have my own answer to this, why do you think there's so many more accidents and traffic deaths 
than there were. If if cars are so much safer, they've used all this technology, crumple zones, energy dissipation, airbags, et cetera, et cetera, than they were 40 years ago. Roads are better. Cars are better. Why do we have higher accident and death rates than we did 40 years ago? Distracted driving, probably the biggest thing. Uh, second, it, it, if you've ever tried to drive the speed limit, like I remember one time when we were, we were coming out to that total blowout of an event in Connecticut for that documentary oh, thing. Gosh. So I drove I drove my Crown Vic out, the, the 2904 Crown Vic. I drove that out, and I, I got a ticket in on the turnpike because the laser jammers were so outdated. Uh, like, he got my speed. I, was, I don't know how fast it's going, allegedly, 90-something. Um, so for the rest of the trip, I'm like, screw this. Like, I'm just going to drive the speed limit. And I remember coming through I-80 on the way home going, you know, 75 miles an hour. And I found myself just surfing Facebook, Instagram. Like I was not driving. Right. You know, I fell victim to it because I was just so bored out of my mind. And it was at that point I realized I'm like, holy cow, man, these, these ridiculously low speed limits are dangerous. Yeah, I I have a different problem, which is, I was going to say narcissism, that also is a problem, narcolepsy. So if I drive the speed limit, I will fall asleep. So driving above the speed limit is literally a, a safety mechanism for myself and everybody else because it gives my brain something to do. 100%. And I was I remember I was driving home from inspecting a car one time. It was, it was ultra beige. It was actually looking at ultra beige in the barn for the estate that I found it in. And I was driving back and I was going like 80 miles an hour and I went around a corner and I was awake, but I like veered onto the rumble strips. I was like I'm I'm awake, but I'm not alert. And my fix for that was literally I decided to go 100 plus the whole rest of the way home and instantly I was awake and alert and I was fine. So yeah, that's, no, makes that's sense. my safety mechanism is to drive fast. Um, why do you think there is no sponsorship deals? Why do you think there's no money behind cannonballing other than the illegality of it? Do you think that's it or well, are I there think, other I reasons? I think that we're culturally like, it's not like it was in the seventies. Like in the seventies, like you could get away with doing things that were, I guess, questionably legal, questionably dangerous. I think we're just in a society where people, people's uh, tolerance for this kind of stuff is just waning. And that's another thing I like about cannibal. Cause it's like the last really truly American thing you can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, you know what, I'm going to drive as fast as I want across this country, and no one's going to stop me. I like that. All right, we, we do have an anonymous question um, from a user, ironically on my screen that I typed. What <laughs> is the most annoying thing about spending 26 hours in a car with Doug Tabbitt? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, nothing. I, you know, dancing queen. Yeah, that. Yeah, right. <laughs> listening, listening to Dancing Queen over and over again. I don't know. I've, I've, we've, we've done. What did we figure out? It's like twelve thousand miles in competitive events together. 
it's it's a lot. Yeah, we've done a lot, and I don't know. I've always had, you know, not too many conversations. We're obviously fix, fixated on what we're doing, but uh, I don't know. I've never gotten sick of you. <laughs> I like writing parody songs randomly. Yes, That's... he does like doing that. <laughs> I just roll my eyes. You and my wife. I got some more oh, questions. You have some more questions. All right, we've and got time for a few more phone. questions. One percent. All right, we'll go until Smooth Mark's <laughs> phone dies. This question is from Elite Sunglasses. Other than the Odyssey, what other normal cars have been cannonballed? They've never seen musket ball videos. Well, Saab is abnormal, so that doesn't count. Oh, Lexus LS, multiple. Um, a Citroen XD. A Ford Taurus SHO. A Citroen is not normal. <laughs> Uh, Volk, diesel Volkswagen, diesel Volkswagen Passat, a uh, Ram Eco Diesel, uh, Cannonball GMC, his GMC truck, uh, a lot of normal cars. Probably it doesn't half need to be a cars, super fast exotic car. No, to do it. probably half the cars on the list between thirty and forty hours are normal cars. Volkswagen Beetle, mm-hmm. yep, Scott Bauer's car, yeah, rental Beetle. Anything um, can be a Cannonball car. Yeah, rental Mustang, sure. No, not that one. Next question. Next question is from Dave Collins. Do either of you own a Mercedes W126, and what's your thoughts on the model? I don't know what a W126 is. No, Dave Collins. This is diesel. I know. What's oh. what's the? I don't know all the chassis codes. That's, that's a Dan. Question. I'm a Porsche Porsche guy. Dan Doucette, help us out. What's a W126? Is he even here? I don't know. No, thought- but if he is, he knows more than you. Here he comes, Dan Doucette. That's what his Facebook page says. Oh, okay. Dan Doucette owns a W126. I do not. Is yeah, a no, 450 SEL 6.9 considered a W126? 116, okay. That would be the ultimate cannonball car for a classic one. That didn't answer his question at all, but I don't care. Yeah, I don't have a 126. Yep. They're pretty cool, though. Yeah. I've, every Mercedes built from like 75 to 95 is pretty cool. Yeah, back when they built cars, they were like meant to last forever. Yeah, yeah. Next question is from Not Captain America. Because Not Captain America. All right. Will the AMG be used for another long-distance event? Probably not. Yeah, I'd be concerned about taking a car that's been cut in two and welded back together. in, In theory, 100%, it should be fine. In but, theory, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't so really have it. Need retired. Yeah, I, I think it just it rallies and show car. Yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of what yep. it'll be regulated to. I think. Yeah. If you give Arnie two hundred fifty thousand dollars, you can take it on a cross yes. country event. That's yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's a new business venture, right? Cannonball, cannonball, cannonball rentals. <laughs> My phone died. Awesome. All right, Mark's Mark. Mark did not die, but his phone did. So, all right, we are going to move into the props and flops segment of our show. It's my favorite. <clears throat> props and flops are brought to you by Switch Cars. Switch Cars is the enthusiast's dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like ourselves. Check out our handpicked inventory at switchcars.com. Arnie's pick of the week from Switch Cars inventory is... The Callaway. The Callaway. It has to be. <laughs> the Callaway C12, one of one in a fixed roof coupe. 
body style. If you don't know about the Callaway C12, go watch the video. It's like 110 days to Stockholm or something like that about the history of the build. Fantastic chassis. It is not just a C5 with a body kit. Contrary to popular misunderstood opinion, uh, it was essentially a homologation car uh, based on the C12R that was made to compete with Porsche in the GT2 class at Le Mans. And while it did not win the class, it did take pole position in qualifying. So uh, Callaway has a very rich history with Le Mans racing and building some pretty incredible coach-built Corvettes. So you can uh, go there, and if you use discount code SWITCHCAST, we'll give you a 1000 bucks off. And uh, actually won Radiston show here last week at, at show last winner. weekend at Radwood. Yes, yeah, show provenance. Yes. All right. The flop of the week. Uh, California. California does a lot of crappy things to car people, but they are now targeting loud exhaust with this new pilot program of sound activated camera enforcement. So if you're over, I think it was 85 decibels on a motorcycle or 90 decibels on a car, you will get a ticket. So this is just another reason for car people not to live in California. They're continually assaulting the car hobby. Um, I don't really think it's loud exhaust or, or the problem, homelessness and all sorts of other things California needs to deal with, wildfires. But no, they're focusing their resources on people with slightly louder than normal exhaust. And actually, a lot of stock manufacturer cars, new McLarens, new Porsche GT3 RS, will not pass these sound requirements. So it's not just targeting the, the Hoonigans with, you know, catless you know, fart can exhausts it. Uh, yeah, they're cracking down. Uh, one note I had is in the article, it said beyond the maintenance and continuation of the program, program, creating tangible quote, traffic calming infrastructure is the sole use for revenue generated by these fines. According to state officials, what the heck is traffic calming infrastructure? This is, this is, this is where we're at as a country. (laughs) We're hurting people's feelings with it's loud those exhaust. road bumps to play a song you drive over. <laughs> <laughs> those are in California. S- wait, ser- seriously? Yeah, there's road strip, rumble strips you drive over that play songs when you're doing the speed. Is limit. that what traffic calming it's like infrastructure is? It's like in the Redwood is? Forest or something like that. Yep. Yep. Wow. That's California for you. <sighs> I'm going to colonize the moon. <laughs> We should just colonize the sun and just take us all out. Uh, isn't Jeff Bezos already there? Or I don't know. Did he go to Mars? All right. Prop of the week. It's rare that I'll give it a, a American car company prop of the week. But General Motors launches a website called Car Bravo for the secondhand vehicle market to compete compete with online retailers like CarMax and Carvana. And let's see, the the launch of the online service pitches GM against startup vehicle sales platforms such as Carvana and CarMax. And I just said that. Online sales of new and used vehicles and supporting services have grown. Wait, I'm going to come back to that. So back up a little bit. They're going to have basically a standardized process to service these vehicles to present them and you can buy them online just like you would at you know carvana or carmax or any other online retailer and um 
you know online financing and uh, fixed price model. So they're they're basically getting away from the old school car dealership model, which is giving a lot of salesmen in start shirts some ulcers right now, which I think is a really good thing, and that's why they get profit of the week. The automotive industry needs to change. It needs to adapt to what millennial buyers want and should get. It's only the friggin' Corvette guys in New Balance that still think they're getting one over on the dealers that want to go in and negotiate with eight different dealers to save 900 bucks on their car purchase. That is not an efficient way to buy a car, and ultimately you're not winning. The car dealer knows how to make money. They're still getting one over on you. You just haven't figured out how. So I like this new model. I'm glad that people are leaning into it. And uh, I'm pretty sure GM can make more money at it than Carvana. Anyway, so the quote in this article from Automotive Logistics said, Online sales of new and used vehicles and supporting services have grown since the disruption to physical dealerships and auctions caused by the pandemic. That's a bunch of bullcrap. Everybody's looking for a cause and effect. The pandemic did not disrupt the physical dealer model. The physical dealer model disrupted it. It's crap. It's been crap for decades, and it's needed to change. The pandemic didn't cause the disruption. It just accelerated the inevitable. So I'm glad we're seeing people move that direction. I'm glad that GM is doing something about it. They may not be the final answer, but at least they're they're jumping into the game early and uh, I'm excited to see what happens there. So that wraps up our show for tonight. Arnie, thank you for being on tonight. Where is the best way for people to follow your shenanigans on the internet or find out more about you? Well, um, I'm probably most active on Instagram and TikTok, and my my handle there is Arnie's Antics. That's A-R-N-E-S, no I antics um i also i have a There's website no i and arnie he is that humble yes i am yes i'm very humble um i also have a website where i keep like the main things that i do like uh you know blog and and that kind of stuff arnie's antics.com awesome well i appreciate you coming out here even if it was just to buy a 1984 corvette with crossfire injection but it's long overdue for you to be to have been on the show so i'm glad you came tonight and i just love spending time with you oh you're so sweet oh so thank you all for watching uh thank you to our sponsors boxcast nuts for sticks switch cars celebrity machines and thank you to Stephen holm woodworking who made us this amazing table thank you to our producer and call screener ethan huffnagel our bumper music is provided and licensed by Emily and Ivory. You can stream the full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available Friday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. So you can listen to it. Please don't watch it while you're driving. We're all about driving safety here. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. with a new guest, and we'll look forward to answering your automotive questions to help you on the drive of your life.